1.1. Privileging the State That conventional approaches to politics and development privilege the state is perhaps not surprising. The scholars, practitioners, and policymakers aiming to shape the distribution of power and resources in a manner that enhances human welfare, that is, to engage in the essence of politics and development, are closely linked to the state. They often sit in or hail from departments of government, politics, or economics, where, at least since Gershenkron, the state is considered to be the driving force behind development. They work with or in the World Bank, the United Nations Development Program, and other multilateral organizations for whom states are both the major funders and primary interlocutors. They use available official, i.e. state-based, statistics gathered by the state's machinery in the interests of legibility to implement research, pinpoint citizens' needs, and assess policy impacts. These scholars, practitioners, and policymakers generally focus on the strength of the state or the nature of its institutions, and they seek development solutions through state-building or institutional engineering. Even when they take social and economic contexts into account, considering how social identities or endowments affect outcomes, they largely overlook the variation in social institutions that compete or intersect with political institutions to shape individuals' actions. In the state-centric perspective, outcomes that deviate from expectations are failures, problems of corruption or clientelism to be solved through the strengthening and reform of state institutions. The dominant state-centric perspective impedes our efforts to bring non-state arenas of authority and social institutions fully into the study of and programming around politics and development. First, it portrays actors and institutions as either state or non-state, ignoring differences among non-state arenas and institutions. Empirically, there are multiple arenas outside the state, based on different notions of community, i.e. religion, ethnicity, locality, economy, with different distributions of power and institutional arrangements. Yet scholars, practitioners, and policymakers too frequently lump these together as an undifferentiated residual focusing on the absence of healthy state institutions rather than the presence of alternatives that drive outcomes. Other times, they focus on a single arena, for instance, the relationship between tribe and state, religion and politics, or ethnicity and service provision. In doing so, they overlook important questions about the extent to which different arenas and institutions drive development. Second, the focus on the state diverts the efforts of political scientists and development specialists away from developing a comprehensive and coherent framework for understanding non-state arenas of authority and related social institutions. Contrast the conceptualization and study of the state and its institutions with that of other arenas of authority and associated social institutions particularly since Scotchpool called on scholars to bring the state back in and Martin Olson returned our attention to institutions, the state and its institutions have been the center of attention. It is an entity with notions of communities and belonging or nations, regimes and authority, which shape the distribution of power and constrain members in ways that go beyond the sum of its institutions. The state is also recognized as having independent interests and more or less autonomy from societal actors, i.e. strength. Moreover, its institutions are distinguished in terms of relatively well-developed conceptual categories, democracies and autocracies, centralized and decentralized administration, proportional representation, or majoritarian electoral systems. 
Explicitly recognizing variations in state strength and institutional arrangements facilitates theory testing, helps clarify scope conditions within which theories should hold, allows for distinguishing between institutional and contextual factors, and provides a scaffolding on which to place new findings. The study of non-state arenas and social institutions lacks such crisp, well-established conceptual categories and frameworks of study. Political scientists recognize arenas of authority outside the state and related social institutions, but the language and frameworks they employ are less fully elaborated than those used to study the state's role in governance and development. Researchers and practitioners recognize the importance of different non-state authorities, but they often focus on specific authorities, traditional authorities, gang leaders, or warlords, and thus leave open questions of when and why different authorities have influence. So, too, they use the term social institutions to denote very different concepts, ranging from organizations that are either non- or semi-state to informal rules followed by state actors. Finally, researchers highlight different aspects of non-state arenas and social institutions, focusing on networks or specific rules. However, they do not place these components in a broader framework. Without a unified language and framework of study, it is difficult to compare or reconcile diverse findings, accumulate knowledge, and achieve theoretical advances and practical insights for programming. Third, and somewhat ironically, a state-centric approach impedes the study of the state. Assuming state predominance and under-theorizing social institutions not only precludes a full understanding of how social authorities and institutions affect governance and development outcomes, but it also distorts the view of the state. Reducing social institutions to context and underspecifying their variation makes it difficult to understand the role that state institutions truly play. Where the state is weak and social authorities are readily visible, their presence is viewed as a problem to be solved rather than forces to be understood. Where the state is apparently strong, social authorities and institutions are viewed as ineffectual and unimportant, even though they may be critical in shaping governance. Even multi- and bilateral development agents, for whom state actors will remain the primary interlocutors, need a clearer understanding of non-state arenas of authority and social institutions in order to be effective.